0: ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald.
1: Good afternoon. This is Chickie Fitzgerald and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, This is actually our very special Mother's Day show. You may be listening to this on demand long after Mother's Day has come and gone. Uh, For those of you who are moms and you also happen to be a boss, this show is for you. So today we have with us the author of a book called Mom Boss. And I love the subtitle uh, of this, which is Balancing Entrepreneurship kids, and success. Our guest today is Nicole Feliciano. Nicole, welcome.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you here today, Chicky. just really thrilled to talk about this topic and maybe inspire some other women to make the leap.
1: Well, and, and it is a leap. I mean, I, I took it uh, a long, long time ago, and, uh, but it's funny, Nicole, and I, I don't know how you define entrepreneurship, but I, went, I left corporate life 21 years ago. Um, But I I will tell you that my first 10 years were uh, providing, you know, services to people in the form of consulting, right? And I realized once I actually built my first company, which is uh, I'm now a tech entrepreneur, that I wasn't an entrepreneur those first 10 years. I I could have quit at any time. Uh, You know, I, I wouldn't have had... Uh, staff, I would, you know, I wouldn't have had anything on the line. I could have gone seamlessly right back into a corporate career, uh, but now I am a full-fledged uh, tech entrepreneur. I'm I'm on my second tech startup. I I have uh, invested in other other early stage uh, tech companies, primarily in the travel industry, which is where I've I've spent my. Uh, my entire adult life, as a matter of fact. So why don't we start with, uh, before we jump in, and I am going to come back and have you answer that question, but let's get to know you a little bit. So tell us about you.
0: Sure. So I grew up in Maryland, just outside of the uh, Naval Academy, and um, was really interested in in fashion as a kid and uh, thought I was going to do something with clothes and always worked in retail. And then when I graduated from... um, Vanderbilt, I went through the buying offices at uh, the hex stores then as part of the May Company and did a little bit of work in advertising for a while and then landed eventually at Ralph Lauren, which I would say were the most formative uh, years of my corporate career. So I was there for nearly a decade and worked in store line and then spent my last two years there uh, in the buying offices at Ralph Lauren. And it was a fabulous job in that um, I learned so much about brand building and team building and messaging. Um, It was really a great way to see a company that knew their brand so clearly and to get to work with uh, Ralph himself, who was such a a visionary and who was so good at staying on message and on brand. So really, really inspiring place to work. But the hours were horrendous. Uh, they were really, really bad. And my last two years there, when um, I was dating my then boyfriend and, and now husband, you know, we, we barely got to see each other. And I just thought, if I have kids, this is just not the way that I want to um, be parenting. So right. I, I left and did some freelance for a couple of years and then launched a mom trends after that.
1: Well, and tell us a little bit about Mom Trends before we jump into talking about the book.
0: Sure. So, Mom Trends started in 2007, which is the dark ages of internet land, and it started as, <laughs> as a it started as a mom blog. Um, it was uh, fashion finds for moms, and uh, it was in the beginning skewed much more towards New York. Um, but as it grew, it became much more national and uh, global in scope. And now about 5% of our total readership is outside of the U.S., which is fun. And we've always, uh, from the beginning, been there to solve problems for busy moms. Most of our moms are working either in the home with a a little side hustle, if you will, um, or they're, they're in an office, a traditional office setting. And we're all about providing tips in the form of still long-form articles on websites. Um, but we do a lot of videos, we have a lot of social media accounts where we're just trying to delight and inspire her in ways to take care of herself and also to have deep, meaningful interactions with her family and to remind her that all the things she's working for to take time to enjoy them. Um, right. So now we have, we have seven full-time employees. Our company is based in Brooklyn, New York And we uh, put on events, do a lot of content generation, and we help brands uh, partner with us to get great messages out to moms.
1: Well, that is amazing. And uh, I I can't wait to dig in and and look at some of your content. So tell us what brought you to the place where you decided to become an author.
0: So that... Uh, sort of landed in my lap. I think many authors have a dream of the book that they want to write, or they're novelists, you know, from the beginning. For me, I've always been a problem solver. Even as a, you know, as a kid, I would see things that needed to be fixed or um, relationships that weren't working, and I would try to right. go in and and fix them. And uh, I think that when this, the the publishers sought me out to write this book, um, they said, "Well, you know, we we want to write this book, Mom Boss." Um, we think that you'd be a great author to do it and you have a great platform already. And what do you think you would, how do you think you would fill the chapters of this book? And I, I said, well, that's easy. I would try to solve all of the problems that came <laughs> up in, in, in the early years of launching my business. And all I would right. reach out to my fellow entrepreneurs to get their wisdom um, on things that they would do differently if, if they knew then what they knew now.
1: Interesting. So, you know, coming back to my question, kind of a definition, because, you know, there there are certainly lots of different kind of mom bosses, right? And, you know, I spent the first 20 years of my career, actually before I became a mom, uh, you know, as, as it turns out, um, you know, I had various corporate jobs and and you know traveled a lot, which was probably one of the reasons I didn't have kids because I didn't didn't settle down enough to even uh, find somebody to get married to until I was 33, and then I didn't have my daughter until I was 40. Well, very shortly after that, or, or actually right at that time, I, I actually did go out on my own, and and as I mentioned, you know, I kind of consider the next 10 years as not not the true entrepreneur because. Uh, you know i I really had just a service company which could easily be dissolved and and the commitment wasn't uh, as strong as when you got a team or you 're investing in technology uh, inventory, whatever it is um, but but let 's start with your definition of an entrepreneur and 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 does it matter right uh, you You've focused this on mom entrepreneurs, but how do, does it differ from the mom who's a corporate mom?
0: I think that is an excellent question. And I think that there are, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit in all of us. And even if you're working for a corporation, I think that the good corporations get the employees to have ownership. So they do feel almost entrepreneurial in their approach to it. But when I define an entrepreneur, I think it is somebody who is developing a business or brand in a way that, that didn't exist before. So she doesn't have a roadmap. Um, but she's mm-hmm. got a, a drive right. to bring a product or service that didn't exist or didn't exist in the form that she can deliver it in uh, before.
1: Got it. Got it. Um, I missed in you telling your story when you actually became a mom. W- were you still at Ralph Lauren?
0: No, I, did, I was not at Ralph Lauren. Um, I left in 2004 and then became a mom in 2005. So I started to uh, freelance in in that um, brief period before I had my first daughter. And then I had my second one. And I was older as well. I had my first daughter at 34 and my second one at
1: 37. Got it. Um, well, like I said, I do it, have you beat on that because my... my well, oldest is a girl, and she was born when I was 40. And then we adopted my son from Russia when I was 46. And we adopted him at three because I didn't want my kids to be six years apart. And the beautiful thing about adoption is being able to choose the age of the child. So, yeah. you know, here I am, uh, you know, late 50-something, uh, and and I've got a freshman in college and a sophomore in high school. So, um but, you know, coming back to this thing of, you know, kind of corporate life versus entrepreneurial life, and, and you talked about how in your corporate role, you know, you didn't really want that to be how you were raising kids. I believe that entrepreneurs are the only people who work 80 hours a week to keep working 60 hours or keep from working 60 hours a week for some someone else, right? Because I work more uh, now. You are, I just you work are, yes, at different hours right of the day. <laughs>
0: Yes, you you work at different hours a day, and you feel no guilt about stepping away to do things that um, yes. further your your friendships, that further your family, further your outside interests. It's just that level of guilt that you get to bypass when you're you're doing your own thing.
1: Right, right, absolutely, and and so that mom guilt really does play a role in in uh, in decision making, and you know I saw it certainly even though I wasn't a mom when I was in corporate life, saw the difference between those women who did have to balance the family. And some of them chose to do it in the same way I did when I became an entrepreneur. And that was, we had a live-in nanny for seven yes. years. And I traveled all the time, you know, because that was just the nature of the beast with consulting. And my husband really was a stay at home dad and provided all the, um, administrative support, uh, for my companies. Um, But, you know, it it was interesting that, you know, you can choose to alleviate that guilt uh, in different ways, as we said.
0: Yep, I totally agree. And there's an entire chapter in the book about mom guilt. Um, You know, it doesn't go away when you become an entrepreneur. And in in Mm -hmm. some ways it shifts uh, around a little bit more. But I do think that guilt can be, you know, I talked about this in the chapter, that guilt, guilt, guilt can be a great reminder for us to check in and see if things are getting out of whack. You know, see if we are you know, filling that one particular bucket up too much and other buckets are getting <laughs> neglected. Um, right. I don't think in general it is a healthy tool, but every now and then it can be um, a great reminder to check in and see where um, you are allotting your time and if, you're, if, the, if things need to be shifted.
1: Well, and that brings me to another point of, uh, I know in your introduction of, of your book you were talking about uh, work-life balance. Is that even possible?
0: I do think it's possible. Um, I think, you know, when you love what you do and you can blend the two, um, I think it's fantastic. You know, for us, we do uh, cover a lot of travel with my company and I'm able to take my family on these amazing trips. Um, We do a a ski guide that we produce and we're able to take them all over the country, uh, just research ski properties and ski resorts we can produce this great guide and I'm you know I have to stay up late working while the kids are asleep and I may miss mm-hmm. you know a half day of skiing here or there to meet with the marketing representatives. but what a blessing to be able to travel the world with my children and consider it at work um, oh
1: that's great like how old are they now
0: they're now 11 and 9
1: oh fun that 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 is a well. I, I love the the two years apart. I, my kids are three years apart in school because when we adopted my son from Russia, you know, of course we had the language issue with a uh, three year old having to you know learn English from scratch. But so by the time he was in kindergarten, we thought doing kindergarten twice was a, a great idea. Um, but um, let, let's talk a little bit about mom tra- trends because one of the things I discovered being an older mom. Uh, and being an entrepreneur was that uh, there were actually quite a few of them out there, right? You know, I expected when I, I started doing stuff with my kids at school that all the moms were going to be 20 years at least younger than me. And, uh, and that wasn't the case. Is, is that what, what you were seeing? Uh, you know, and tell us about some of the, the trends that you saw when you were writing this book.
0: Well, I think I interviewed entrepreneurs of all different stripes. Uh, there were some who uh, had their kids who were uh, a little bit older than even mine were when they started their companies. There were some who did it right from the beginning. I, you know, I think the one thing they all had in common is that they all had children and they were all passionate about being uh, as good of moms as they could possibly be. Now, I will say I live in Brooklyn, which from doing some research has more, per per square foot, has more female entrepreneurs than any other place in the nation. So I'm very fortunate, it's true, so I'm very fortunate to live in this great creative where I see women creating and doing and growing brands all the time. So for me and for my girls, you know, it's just part of life. Every every time we turn a corner, there's a new woman launching this company or that company. So we're very fortunate in that. And I will say at our, um, where we are in New York City, people tend to have their children later because they're so um, wrapped up into their careers in their 20s -hmm. and early 30s. That they don't take time to slow down um, until their their thirties hit and their biological clocks start. <laughs> the alarm right. bells are going off. Um, so I am definitely not alone in in where I am. Um, and I think you know that's a great thing about this book and the mom trends community in general is that it brings together people who may not have that same sense of community at their doorstep as I do. But the internet's fantastic about connecting people with similar interests if they without uh, a geography getting in the way so you know with some of our readers are scattered all across the country all across the world and they can have this shared community of mom trends and and with mom boss it's the same thing it's a book that can go anywhere and speak to anyone uh, that wants to have a career and kids they don't have to live in brooklyn they can get inspired by these stories Uh, they don't have to have you know these great women as neighbors
1: right Now you talk in the next chapter about tough love and I, you know, I'm thinking about all kinds of dimensions of that in my own life. So why don't you tell me how this fits? Well, tough love is, you know, we were talking about balances
0: a second earlier and I do think you can have work you love and be very involved with your family. Uh, I don't think you can do everything, however. So the women who think they are they have these expectations that they're still going to maintain their girlfriend's time and they're still going to volunteer at all the charities and they're going to have work that they love and stay connected to their kids. You know, that that sounds exhausting even to me, and I'm a pretty high energy person. <laughs> you know, some, something has to go uh, for, and I think I, I wanted this chapter to be the reality of that you're going to have to l- let go of some things. You know, it, it's not going to be perfect every day um and you know for me the big things that i gave up were certainly time with um my girlfriends and i used to have many more dinners out with them or go to get my nails done or see a show know that just does not uh happen much anymore so fortunately i love the women that i work with and they've become a work family um so you know that sort of filled that that gap there mm-hmm. and um i think you need to be realistic about the things that you're willing to give up to get where you're going. Uh mm-hmm. you've got everything has a price and you've got to be willing to pay it.
1: Right? And you know, one one of the things I don't see uh certainly on the surface uh, of this book is is kind of the role that the dad plays in making all of this successful and and as I was thinking about my my own situation there's had to be some some tough love and some tough talk uh you know with with my with my spouse because Um, I do work at home, even though I have a tech company. And I happen to really enjoy sitting in our uh, family room and working because we we live on a lake and and the view is just uh, amazingly serene. And we we do have an office, but it's like in the back of the house and it's dark. And it's like, why would I choose that over this? But we have this constant discussion about, you know, me working like – when the family is home, and if they're sitting and watching TV, I can very happily get fairly mindless work done, you know, sitting on on the couch with my computer. And, you know, my husband just hates my computer, right? You know, it's like his, it's, it's like, uh, you know, someone trying to take my affection away from him, right? So I've had to do a little tough love with him saying, you know, I want to be with the family. I've also got these things I need to get done. And, you know, I don't have people I can delegate it to, at least not at this juncture. So, you know, what you described initially is kind of the tough love on yourself, right, to say you, you can't do it all. You, you can think you can, but, you know, something does have to give. And, and uh, you know, this this is talking to the people that you do love and saying, listen, you know, do you mind if I just sit in the room and do this with you? Because I'd rather be with you than to be in the other room, right? So that, then, that's one how- of my struggles,
0: and in, in the last chapter, when, when I'm talking about gratitude, I um, certainly bring that up, um, that you cannot neglect your relationships, be it with friends or um, family, um, your spouse. But I certainly wanted this book to speak as much to single moms as to uh, those who are in a relationship. And I do see more and more companies being started by single moms. So I didn't want this to be, you know, talking from... I didn't want her to think about limitations if she wasn't in a relationship where she had a partner Mm. living with her her, who could um, support the business and grow the business. This is definitely talking to uh, the mom, the female, and her ambitions. And, you know, we do mention at the the very end uh, how this is all going to balance in with all of the relationships you have. But I definitely wanted it to speak to her, and, uh, you know, I don't want – any to, to have any excuses pop up that uh, are going gotcha. to stand between her and her and success.
1: Right, right. Well, and and it is quite different when you got someone uh, helping you with the support. And I had been the breadwinner in, in my family for 20 plus years. And and when I first went out on my own, my husband actually worked for me, which was not ideal. I, I actually do not recommend that unless you have a very, very special relationship. But um, actually in the last four years, I've kind of had a break because I'm building something new yet again. Uh, but now I have the luxury of, of that my husband actually went out and got a job, kind of in, in that uh, dark time after 2007 that you were talking about, when, when uh, you know it was so hard to get anything moving, um, and and now he's uh, doing very very well and and uh, is able to support a little bit of my uh, serial entrepreneur habit. But you're right, you know, there are so many who don't have that luxury and and don't have that. So I I am glad that that you took that approach and addressed that. So let's talk a little bit. You've got some practical uh, tools in in the book, Uh, one of which is a quiz, you know, where you try to help us figure out what kind of entrepreneur we are. And and really what what the business is about kind of uh, drives that a little bit. So why don't you talk to us about the three personality types and the quiz that you developed?
0: Absolutely. So I developed this because there's a lot of women who feel locked into the corporate life that they have and they don't know, they don't have the burning desire to develop a thing or a brand. You know, you just said you're a serial entrepreneur, so you're, you're always thinking of, of new ideas. And I didn't want her to feel boxed in or limited about her entrepreneurial opportunities. And at the same respect, I, people who do have an idea to develop a service or a thing and they've got that this is going to be the big one. You know, this, this needs to get out there. I also want them to be realistic about the personality traits it's going to take to get that from idea to shelves or to market-ready product. So the quiz is reminiscent of those qu- quizzes we used to take in Seventeen Magazine and in Vogue about really looking at yourself um, as an outsider when you're taking this quiz and Looking at your answers when you get the results, because some of us uh, work better in large groups. Some of us are better at managing people. As you think, it sounded like with your first uh, your first job, you know some of us are better just as consultants, and that's great. You can do what you were doing before if you were a lawyer or if you were a um, uh, a graphic designer. You know you can do that on a very easy scale as a consultant, where you pick up some of the clients that you had even when you were in house. Uh, and take those externally. So, we I define three different types of entrepreneurs: the solo artist, the team builder. Um, uh, sorry, we called her the the team. Sorry, the team mom, and then the brand builder.
1: Right. And and so. Go yeah. Continue.
0: So I was going to so say the solo artist is really a consultant who has left her uh, corporation and is doing what she was doing before, but just you know, from her own uh, home and uh, not dramatically, not much has changed. The brand builder is definitely somebody with that idea for a new product or service. And then the team mom was interesting. That is really something I feel like that has popped up and grown even in the past five years. And those are the women who are taking on the social selling uh, opportunities
1: right right well you're right i I am very much the the first one but with with a splash of of the number two um uh, because i i am you know generally creating new brands and new new products and services um so, so, once they have been through the personality um assessment and really figure out where where they fit as you move into the rest of the content that you're sharing in the book, you know the next one is setting up shop are Are you referring back then uh to those personalities and how they uh impact your decision making or how how you really should set things up? Tell us about that
0: yeah, setting up shop is a lot of the practical um things that you need to know about getting your business up and running, you know whether you're going to set it up as an LLC, um, getting your tax affairs in line, basic accounting tips, um, finding the space, the physical space, and also the time in your schedule to um, start this new chapter of your life. And setting up shop is just the, the practical things that you need to take into account. Also a timeline, you know, when are you going to do this? Um, or if you're currently working somewhere else, how are you going to um, transition from one thing to another? So I think that that is a lot of practical um, considerations before you take the big leap. And, you know, with the book, I tried to give plenty of space to write notes in the margins. It's also a book that you can kind of, okay, this chapter doesn't speak as much to me because I am not going to be doing social selling, so I don't need to really look at that one as much. So you're, you're meant to flip around um, as much as possible and um, take what you need from it.
1: Exactly, exactly. So so then you also talk about getting organized. And again, this is part of what I call the practical side of the book after you've taken a look at some of your motivations. So what are what are some of the best ideas that you've had or that you've heard from others about what they did to get organized?
0: Well, I like the idea of the targeted coffee dates. I like the idea of having a day of the week where you are – Um, setting your schedule. I think some of the most successful mom bosses that I saw had um, set aside every Sunday to not only look at their planning of their business week, but also they would do things like meal planning or schedule in their workouts. Um, I think that those women who were super intentional about where they were going to spend their time rather than just hoping the time would appear on their schedule (laughs) were the ones who uh, experienced success for sure. So I really liked that. Um, I think that also, knowing when to uh, hire somebody externally. You know, For me, very early on, I hired an accountant to be the outside um, voice with the, uh, the, the money flow coming in and out, and she's been a, a very important part of the business over the years. She's been with me, I think, for six, maybe seven years now, um, and she's great about keeping me on track um, with numbers and
1: looking at things in different ways than I probably would have. Well, that, that's really important. And, you know, I've, I've kind of taken a little different tact because I, I looked at where my pain points were. And, and you know, some of that was administration and, and, quite frankly, just the things that needed to be done around the house. So my first hire was, was actually starting to have my, my house cleaned and have somebody come in to do my laundry for me. And, and uh, by, by giving that up, it actually allowed me to get some of my weekend back um and, and it also eased the stress with my husband um because you know he would come home on on a friday and expect me to spend my weekend doing that and that was the last thing in the world you know the, that I wanted to do, and and so uh, now he walks in, and the laundry's all done, and the bed's made, and the house is clean, and and it it just uh, allows me to focus so much more on business. Now I'm I'm anxious for the day when when my company gets to the point where I can begin doing those really strategic hires, like you're talking about, if something someone to really help line uh, line things up financially, and and um, you know again I've got folks who are helping out on on kind of an all volunteer basis at this point because I'm still in the in the sweat equity stage of of my current company. Sure, But got it. you know that that's that's really interesting uh you know that that getting getting yourself organized quite often is the first step in figuring out how to delegate and for the, for those of us who are the solo artists that is one of the hardest things to do.
0: Yes, I, I completely agree that that the art of delegation is undervalued for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: And and then the next one really is finding your tribe, right? Which which is is such an important part of building a company because you can't do it all alone. And and if you try, you're really uh, in many cases. And and this was my my trap of of my consulting business is the business could never really grow. Beyond my involvement. Now, I mean, there were many times when I sold very large projects and my company built LasVegas.com and, you know, I had a whole team who helped. But at the end of the day, the buck stopped with me. And if I decided I didn't want to sell consulting anymore, it didn't get sold, right? And, and so in this current business, you know, finding the people who can help, and sometimes that's full-time people, and sometimes it's advisory board or even board members who, you know, bring with them an ability to take a look at things, particularly those things that only have to be done, you know, once or quarterly, you know, not the day-to-day things. So what are some of the, the tips in finding the right people to help you? Well, we
0: spend a lot of time in the book talking about mentors and advisors and how to find them and how to make really good use of the time with them. Uh, you know, I really say with every coffee date or meeting that you have, you should have one clear problem that you're looking for a solution for rather than just time and let me pick your brain. I mean, nobody wants to have their brain picked for 45 minutes or an hour. But if there's there one specific problem that you are coming up against, Um, and this particular person has a skill set or a contact set that can help you get over the hump, like that's the perfect opportunity to reach out to a mentor or an advisor or uh, a a friend of friend in your, your network where that is, you know, where they can help and people like helping in something that it's just a matter of a quick connection or something that they're an expert at that you're not and they can solve for you quickly. I've at least found in in my work career that that's when people are most likely to help. But if you're so unfocused about what you need and you don't really have direction, there's not much I can do for you to help you along your your path. so we talk a lot a bit about that. And then also finding women who are great sounding boards for you. They don't necessarily have to be in your same field, but it's helpful for them to have a business in a similar size so that they're experiencing the same growing pains you are. And that they'll help celebrate your wins with you, that in a way that your, your spouse wouldn't or can't, your children can't, you know, your friends back in the uh, the corporate world won't understand, Definitely. you know, when you sign that first. $50,000 contract um, and are celebrating, nobody's going to celebrate that more than somebody who is, is in
1: it as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I love uh, the the term tribe uh, because it, it really, uh, tribe describes uh, things just in, in much more of an intimate uh, setting than, uh, you know, just a team or, you know, uh, using those more familiar terms that you would have in corporate life. So um, you talk also about knowing your worth, and and uh, I I remember when I first decided to go out consulting, one of the most difficult things uh, to do in in any service business is figuring out how to price your services, and so that's one aspect of knowing your worth. Um, tell me what your uh you know what your thought process is uh, about how your worth translates into success and and this whole issue of, of balancing uh, the rest of your life with your work?
0: Well, I think women have to be particularly careful. I think generalizing, we will work, will accept a lower amount. We tend to negotiate less than men. We tend to not push back as much. So this is certainly speaking to that um, that sense that we sometimes sell ourselves short. Or I've come across this a lot, that women diminish their accomplishments, and especially amongst um, early-stage mom bosses who are just starting a sideline business, and they're so apologetic about um, their business, and I'm always encouraging them to, you know, take ownership, be proud of it. You know, you never know where you're going to make your next contact or your next sale, and if you are just diminishing it and talking about, oh, it's just this little that I do on the side, well, everyone else is as well. But when you are excited and genuine and have a passion for what you're doing, even if it's relatively small in sales numbers, uh, it's going to translate into bigger things. So that's that's definitely um, one of the things. And then I think also knowing your worth comes into play when we're talking about time and balance that, you know, when we are working when we're entrepreneurs um, uh, i still get asked an awful lot um, to volunteer at school and i i usually do the book fair at school is my big time commitment and, and the, the women who run book fair know that i'm i'm in for two days of volunteering uh back to back and i always carve time out of my calendar for it but i can't make You know, all the breakfasts and all the other events, and I can't do everything in the school that's required, even though sometimes I'll show up in my yoga clothes at drop-off because I am going to a a class right afterwards, that my my work life is 40-plus hours a week, as uh, other working moms have. And I think not apologizing for how I spend my time is also a big one for women.
1: Right, right. Well that that's really helpful and you know I mean I I see that in in myself and and um you know that that apologizing for things is is something that that we really do have to rein in you know as as we are are, are talking about ourselves because we're we're creating our future uh with our words. Um you know the next one is is near and dear to my heart because uh you know I've had uh, spectacular failures, I've had rapid failures. Um, where you can fail fast is is really the smartest, and and so you're talking about this for those mom bosses that uh, you know you've got to figure out what what's working and what's not working, and just stop it, you know especially if you come out of a corporate world where everything gets analyzed and uh, you know down to the nth degree.
0: Yeah, this is probably my favorite chapter to write, and the women who contributed to that, to it, I mean, God bless them, because everybody's willing to talk about their successes, but few of us are willing to celebrate our failures, and I do think as a society, we're finally getting over that as entrepreneurs are being celebrated more and more, um, and I just think it is so important to recognize a failure and not keep keep throwing good money after bad if something is not going well. I definitely encourage every mom boss to set aside, if not uh, half a day, at least an hour, to look over her weekly, um, monthly, and yearly sales and the trends, and see where your top performers are, see where your bottom performers are, and let go of the stuff that isn't working. You know, stop throwing your time and energy after things that are clearly showing you um, they're not connecting or they're not resonating. You either have to change something or just you know shut down that division or product line or service that you're offering right. um, all together. You know, They may feel like your children some days, but they're not, they're, <laughs> they're not your actual children. It's okay to let them go. Um, and I really liked, uh, there's a, a friend of mine, Dabney Lee, who's a beautiful designer. She makes these gorgeous um, paper prints and phone covers and home accessories. And I met her because she had a great store in my neighborhood. And she was also doing a, a brisk online business as well as, of custom designs. Um, and the rents kept going up and up and up. And finally, she um, closed her, her storefront. And she told me that it just was not making sense anymore to be paying the, this rent when so much of my business was transferring to online sales. So she, was, she closed that. And then maybe like a month or two after she closed, she got a huge partnership with Target, to do um, in-store collaborations with them, and Mm -hmm. her online business has continued to take off and grow. But if she had been so um, stubborn at keeping that storefront open, she probably would have missed out on these other opportunities. So by letting things go, you're creating more space for success
1: in your life. Absolutely. And, you know, I also find that sometimes you're not letting it go so much as you're parking it. And and I describe it as, you know, like tucking it behind me, you know, like, like a, if you're taking a physical, like a ball or something and putting it behind your back where you can't see it. And because sometimes it's just not time. And, and I have found that I've dusted off, you know, old products, old services, and, you know, that the time has actually come now, and I can rebrand or recast, and actually it is the time for success. So... Uh, you know, it's not uh, abject failure that, you know, you you actually are throwing something away, but, uh, you know, figuring out when it's time.
0: Yeah, and then we go into uh, the next chapter is really talking about um getting feedback, which fits into what we were just, about those failures and really listening to your community. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things that we have going for us as as female entrepreneurs is that we have women friends who who are supporting us, who can be our champions. Um, And this is talking about listening to your customer base uh, and listening. If you've got a team that you've built up, listening to them and then following uh, where your successes are and really building upon those successes
1: right and you're calling that the mom marketplace and and uh, when i first saw this i i uh, i thought it might might be uh, another component of how you you um you know leverage other relationships in in referring business to each other because that that is the kind of the traditional uh marketplace Thinking right that that we all oh yeah we we, all I definitely together. yes mm-hmm.
0: it's definitely covered in there as well um, that that you know that those will be your initial customers and that that there exactly. is a a genius woman who started this great um, online boutique for expecting moms uh, called ShopBuru. And her first year in business, she only sold to her sorority sisters. I think she'd gone to the University of Alabama. Um, and she kept it a very small beta group. Um, she relied upon them for feedback and to see how the shipping actually re- arrived. Um, and then after that first year, after getting all of this great feedback from her friends, she launched um, out of beta and was able to deliver customer service on a completely different level than those who just launch big immediately.
1: Right, right. Well, and you, your next chapter is all about getting it done. And so what you just described is is one way to take an idea to market is is really doing it on on a small and very limited scale. And then you know figuring out when it's time to scale. So so what's involved in the chapter on getting it done?
0: That's a lot of time management tips in there, and that is um, I think what we can always. I always love asking women about that uh, when I ask them you know how they're doing it and how they're getting it done in their personal lives. Um, there's some great tips in there you know about the way women power down before they spend time with their families. Uh, I have a friend who's a graphic designer. And she shared that she spends at least 10 minutes transitioning. She either does a light meditation or goes for a walk when she goes between office mode. And she works from home. So she does this intentionally where she leaves her office and she'll either go to a portion of her house where she'll do a little bit of meditation. Or if it's nice out, she'll go for a walk around um, her neighborhood for 10 minutes to clear her head so she can go from businesswoman mode back to mom mode without um, feeling like she's got to keep running back to check her emails or just this one last thing. I like the way that she had given her space to um, box things in, okay, that, you know, I'm putting my work aside for the next three hours, but she needed a a transition space. And I love, there's, there's lots of tips about how women are getting it done and super specific examples.
1: Great, great. And then you you have alluded uh, throughout our our discussion to the topic of gratitude, and I, I love that you wrap up the book by talking about gratitude and, and the role that it plays in success.
0: I, I've always been an oversharer. I, I think this this book is like <laughs> the, the great share of uh, of my of this particular career that I've, I've picked. It is, you know, when I find things that work for me, I love sharing them with other women. I don't feel that there is, you know, a, a limit to the amount of success to go around. We all can succeed. So I don't want to hoard resources or hoard ideas. And um, I think that I've been incredibly blessed with the the people that I work with and the, the family that supports me. And, you know, I want to make sure that other women recognize um, the gifts that they've been given and that they um, you know, celebrate that as well. So I think gratitude for your, your great customers, gratitude for the freedom and the space you've been given to create, um, and gratitude to your family for those, those days where you may be a little bit crazed about something going on at work and you do bring that home um, and that your family knows that you'll get over it, that you're um, a better person for having created this, this brand or this business.
1: Love it, love it, Nicole. If people would like to follow you, is uh, is Mom Trends? Is that the best place, or uh, how how can they reach you if they want to talk to you?
0: Mom Trends is the best uh, resource to find um, tips for moms in general. But I would say for a personal reach out to me, I do maintain our Instagram account um, at Mom Trends. Um, so that's a great way to see what's going on in, in more of my personal life because MomTrends is it's more of a magazine. Uh, so it's not about me and what I'm doing from day to day. So my Instagram account is definitely more of the day to day life of me and I do answer the comments on there every day. And people are also welcome to email me with their questions or concerns or ideas at um, and that's Nicole at MomTrends.com.
1: Wonderful. We have been talking today to Nicole Feliciano, and she is the author of Mom Boss, Balancing Entrepreneurship, Kids, and Success. Nicole, thank you so, so much for joining us. It has been just terrific.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. and. Good luck and happy Mother's Day to all of the mom bosses and potential mom bosses out there.
1: Oh, absolutely. And again, for those of you who are listening to us today, if you are listening uh, right after the show has been aired, next week we are going to be talking to Rachel O'Mara. She is the author of a book called Pause harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break so now that we've revved you up to build your business next week we're going to be talking about giving yourself a break which we all need now and again so happy mother's day to all you moms and thanks again for joining us go out and change your game today thanks so much
0: you've been listening to the game changer ideas inspiration Innovation with Chickie Fitzgerald.